Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. Uh, it is VBS Sunday, and with this Sunday, there's a unique opportunity for us to really worship the Lord and to celebrate all that he's done. There is much to celebrate today. As you've already heard, the many things that God has done, the seeds that have been planted, the seeds that we believe God will continue to water in the days ahead. The truth is, this week has been an amazing week. It's been filled with a lot of fun. Yes, that's a true statement. It's been filled with a lot of new relationships being developed and established, and, and it's filled with all sorts of praises and celebrations. But I wanna remind us, really, all of the celebration is all because of one person. It's not because of a good leader. It's not because of an amazing team, though all those things are true. It's not because we had a week of fun and there were only minor like scrapes and bruises. Like Those are great celebrations. But we celebrate all of this because of one person, and that one person is Jesus Christ. We celebrate because he's made a way for us to experience salvation. He's made a way for us to be forgiven of our sins. He's made a way for us to be a brand new person. We celebrate because of Jesus. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, our theme verse for the entire week has reminded us of this simple statement. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. That's been the main thing. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God established beforehand so that we would walk in them. But there's a major question that has to be asked about that statement. I mean, our, our, our shirts all week long as volunteers have made that statement. We're created in Christ, designed for God's purpose. But there's a big if that comes before that statement. Literally in Ephesians chapter two, it's telling us this wonderful reality that we're created in Christ. We have a great unique purpose. If we meet the prerequisite of verses eight and nine where verse eight reminds us what we are saved by grace through faith. It is not of works. It is the gift of God so that no one may boast. In other words, in order for us to discover that we are created in Christ, in order for us to discover God's divine purpose, we have to answer the if. We have to make certain that we are in Jesus Christ. Today, if you have God's word, I wanna ask you to take the Bible and open it with me to 2 Corinthians chapter five for this morning's message and for our time together here today. As we think about all the different messages that we've heard at Vacation Bible School this week, here on this special VBS Sunday, I believe 2 Corinthians chapter five summarizes the daily themes in a profound way. Created in Christ and designed for God's purpose. If... We are in Christ. I find it very interesting that we all want to be on the inside. We all want to be on the in crowd, if you will. When you're a little kid and you're hanging out in the playground with your friends, you wanna be on the in crowd, so to speak, so that you're included in the fun and all the festivities and activities. You get a little bit older and then you go to the, to the ball fields and people are selecting teams and you wanna be on the inside. You wanna be picked to be a part of that crowd and to be on that team. 
Of course, even as teenagers, as we get to a certain place where we begin to recognize style and music and all those different things, none of us want to be odd and awkward. We want to be on the inside, in the crowd, so to speak. And even as adults, none of us like to be alone. But did you know that when it comes to the things of God, there are many who are on the outside looking in. There are many who might hear the truth, who might know the truth in their mind. They might know all the facts and all the knowledge, but they're not yet in Christ. So profound is this reality of being in Christ that the Apostle Paul in his letters speak of this phrase, being in Christ, over 130 times in his letters. Here's the question today. Are you personally in Christ? Are you personally a part of God's family? Are you personally in Jesus? I believe God begins to show us many things about being in Christ, all in 2 Corinthians chapter five. If you're physically able to do so, will you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? Beginning in verse 14, the Bible says this. For the love of Christ controls us. Everybody say the word control. It controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for how many? For all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but live for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Listen to the big if in verse 17. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The big if. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for this time together today. Lord, as it relates to our salvation, forgiveness of sins, knowing that heaven is our home, There are many of us today who look at that with much uncertainty. We've not settled that reality in our hearts. So God, I pray today that where there's a big if in the context of our salvation, that you would help us to resolve it with clarity, that we would leave here with assurance knowing our sins are forgiven, Jesus is our savior, and heaven is our home. Have your way in us right now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, you may be seated this morning. The big if. You know, as I think about Vacation Bible School and I think about all the different things that have happened this week, there have been a lot of new and exciting things from new games and activities and new relationships that have been formed and new crazy expressions like a human banana split that I've never seen in my life. There's all sorts of things that have taken place that are new. The reality is in our life, we like things that are new. Just by show of hands, how many of you enjoy receiving something that is new? Anybody like that? We all do a little bit. Just the other day, my wife came home and she was looking at me for a minute and she had kind of a strange look. And then she asked me the very probing question that was in the back of her heart and mind. And I I said, what is it, sweetheart? She said, are you ever gonna let me wash that shirt? (laughs) 
I had to confess that I'd gotten in touch with my, my college days a few decades ago because what had happened is someone had recently given me a new shirt that I liked and it was comfortable and it was soft and it felt good and I think I wore it a few too many times without letting her wash it and she could tell, okay? But I like things that are new. We also are in a place of replacing an old vehicle that's probably gonna die sometime. And so we've been test driving vehicles and it's exciting because it's new. It's amazing. It doesn't matter if you're an adult or a kid or a teenager. We all like things that are new. No doubt you kids get excited about a new toy or a new video game or a new movie that's coming out. You get excited about those things. Teenagers, you get excited about a new friendship or a new relationship, a new playlist, a new opportunity to hang out with friends. We get excited about things that are new. While there are many things that are new on this world, the reality is, is that there are none of these things here in this world that compare to the new things that we have in Christ. It doesn't matter how much we know, how many times we go to church, if we experience this reality of Christ and being in him, the Bible says there are three new things that we experience in Christ Jesus. So today, I wanna encourage you. As you hear each new reality, I wanna ask you to pause for a moment and really examine if this is true in your life. Have you experienced this? Have you come to know this personally in your life? Have you experienced this new thing in Jesus? There's three things this morning I want you to see from the text. If you're ready to discover them, would you say, all right? Three new realities in Christ. Number one, in Christ, we are a new creation. We are a new creation. Notice the Bible says in verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. Notice he doesn't say you're a repaired creation. You're broken and God fixes you up a little bit. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says when you believe in Jesus Christ, you become an absolute brand new creature, a creation in the Lord Jesus Christ. But how is this possible? What does it mean? Does it mean all of a sudden when you believe in Jesus that you look differently? Nope. Does it mean that once you believe in Jesus Christ, suddenly you're, you're, you're taller or you're shorter or you change your physique or you lose? No, no, that's not what it's talking about. Now, you might feel a little lighter, but that's not what it means when it means that the Bible says you literally are a new creation in Jesus. So I believe God shows us in verses 14 through 17, three proofs that you are a new creation in Christ. The first proof is this. You have a new leader, a new leader. Verse 14, the apostle Paul says it this way. For the love of Christ controls us. That word control is an interesting word. It literally means it refers to power. It refers to influence. It refers to basically who is in charge in your life. It refers to who is the leader, the director of your life. Now, I realize that most of us don't like the word control unless we possess the control. We like to have control in our life. We like to be able to make all the decisions. We like to call the shots and we'll try to control situations so that we get the outcome that we desire. So it brings about a question. Who is in control of your life? What is the main driving force? Who is the one influencing and leading and giving charge and direction to your life? The reality is many of us today are controlled by all sorts of things. We might be controlled by our own passions and our own selfish desires. We might be controlled with what other people want from us and what they think we should do in our life. We might be controlled by what the world says is cool and popular and the way to live your life. But Paul understood that one of the proofs of being a new person in Christ is that we have a new leader. 
He literally says the love of Christ controls us. When I think of that picture of Christ controlling us and being the leader, my mind goes back to when my children were very small. We would talk about Jesus being our savior. But Jesus doesn't come into our life just to be our savior. He comes into our life to be our Lord. And our children often had a hard time understanding what it means to have Jesus as your Lord. And one day in the process of conversation, I believe it was my wife who first stated, but then we began to teach them this way. Jesus is not just your Lord, he's the boss of your life. There was something about saying Jesus as the boss of your life that allowed even our youngest children to understand we follow him. When you truly are in Christ, you believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it means that he and his love are in control. You're not led by your wants anymore. You're not led by a desire for anger or malice or division. You're not led by those things. Instead, you're led by the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul understood this loud and clear. He literally was a man who had spent much of his adult life doing all that he could to persecute Christians and to, to basically destroy the name of Jesus. But once he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and believed in him, once he was adopted into Christ, he was led and controlled by the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even to where it would cost him many challenges and many pains and many persecutions, he still persevered. Why? Because he was in Christ. He had a new leader. But not only in Christ do you have a new leader, a second proof of being in Christ is this. You have a new life. In Jesus Christ, once you believe in him, one of the, second, or the proofs of that is you also, you also have a new life. Now, we live in a culture today where many people get bored with their routine. They get bored with their flow of life and their situation. And we see on social media all these images of the good life and we see all these messages in the world and we start to think that the grass is green on the other side. And so as a result of that, there are many in our culture who will say, you know what, I just want to redo, I want to reset, I want a new life. And many people in that moment begin to think, you know what, if I just change my situation, if I just change my environment, if I just change the things that are around me, then all of a sudden I'm gonna have a new life. There are also times people go through natural life transitions. Uh, maybe get, going to college, for example, or maybe getting a new job out of state and they, they go through life transitions. Maybe someone's passed away and they begin to try to discover what life is after that. And they think, you know what? With this transition, I'm gonna have a new life. But there's nothing in our environment on the outside that can give us new life within. Let me illustrate that. Several years ago now, I was 18 years old, many years ago now, I was 18 years old. And I was looking at colleges and I determined that the best place for me to go to school was Liberty University. We loaded up our family vehicle. We drove to Lynchburg, Virginia, 600 miles away. My parents helped me unload my car. I moved into my dorm. We hugged, we said goodbye, and they drove off and they left. And my first thought was, this is awesome. No parents to tell me what to do. I'm in a new state, I'm in a new place. There's thousands of people to meet. This is gonna be amazing. This is a new life. It's a, it's a complete start over. There's no one here to remind me of all the mess ups I had in high school. But you know what's interesting is that somewhere between week three and week four, I began to realize something. I was in a new place, but I didn't have a new life. The same struggles that I had back in Alabama, guess what? They were suddenly and amazingly still with me in Virginia. 
The, the, the challenges that I had there, the, the hurts that I had there, the struggles with sin that I had there, they followed me 600 miles. I couldn't believe it. But you know what I began to realize? I began to realize you can change your environment, you can change the outside things around you, but that does not give you new life within you. That only happens through the power of God that happens in Jesus Christ. The Bible says loud and clear this simple statement in verse 15, a reminder to us of the new life that we have in him. The Bible says this, he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. When you are in Christ, you're a new creation. And the second proof of that is that you have a new life. It literally means in this moment, you don't wanna live like you used to live. You don't wanna keep going to the things that you went to. You don't wanna keep doing the things you used to. Instead, you recognize Jesus is the Lord and I wanna live my life to be pleasing to him. The Bible says it this way in Colossians chapter five. Therefore, we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. This new life literally means in Christ, we now have an ambition and a desire and a hunger to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. What is your ambition today? Who or what are you living for? Because the answer to those questions will likely tell you whether or not you are in Christ. Third proof of the person who is a new creation in Christ is this, we now have a new longing. And it kind of takes it a step further beyond just wanting to live my life to please the Lord in the big picture sense, even in the day-to-day -day functions, the day-to-day -day attitudes, the day-to-day -day mindset, the things that I think upon, our longing is now not to keep giving into the old ways, but giving in to the Lord to live for him and to honor him. Verse 16 reminds us that today we know no one according to the flesh. We think of flesh sometimes in a physical sense. You can see my flesh in the sense that you can physically see my hand. But when the Bible speaks of flesh, it also speaks of it in a spiritual sense. When the Bible speaks of our flesh, it speaks of it in a negative way because it's a description of our sinful nature. The Bible says in Romans 3 verse 23 that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And it means that we're all imperfect. We've all done things that are wrong. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short. And the fact of the matter is, nobody had to teach us how to do that. We got that honest because we were born with a sinful nature. I was reminded of that many years ago now when my daughter Gracie was about two and a half to three years old. One day I came home from, from work and I walked into the house and the house was eerily quiet. And I remember walking in and finding Heather there in the kitchen and I'm like, how are you doing? And she's just like, I can't talk right now. And I could tell by that I can't talk right now that someone had done something wrong and it was just one of those moments, you know, where you just say, yes, ma'am, okay? And I began to listen and I began to realize that my kids were upstairs. And so I walked towards the stairway and began to walk up the stairs. And as I did, I saw paint all over the wall leading up to the bedrooms. And I'm, when I say all the colors of the rainbow, I mean, literally, it looked like the stage a little bit without, without the organization and the prettiness. I mean, it was just paint everywhere, some of which, which was on our beautiful white beige-ish carpet. It was very exciting in our house. And so I got upstairs and I knocked on one door and, and I opened the door and I saw that Mac was just like sound asleep. Well, he's fine, no big deal here. I walk into Gracie's room and I see those eyes cut across the room. And I went to Gracie and I said, Gracie, 
are you in trouble? And I said, you are? I said, Gracie, I noticed there was paint on the walls and there's paint on the carpet. Do you know anything about that? Mm-mm. Gracie, did, did, you, did you paint that beautiful wall? Just Adam, absolutely not. The whole time she's telling me this, while her arms and hands are cleaned up, it was literally all over her beautiful dress that she was wearing. I mean, literally, she's literally saying, no, daddy, it wasn't me. I didn't pay, I promise it wasn't me. And there's literally the evidence all over her dress. In other words, she was lying to me. You know where she learned to lie? Her mother, no, no, not really, no, 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 no. I'm totally kidding. No, she learned it in her, her human nature. She was born with a sinful nature, just like you and I are, every single one of us are. And the Bible says, that's our old flesh, that's our old man, if you were in Christ. But in Jesus Christ, you're not only forgiven of your sins. In Jesus Christ, you're not only promised the certainty of heaven. In Jesus Christ, you're a new creation. So you have new longings. There's a new nature that desires to honor and please the Lord. The book of Colossians chapter three begins to give us a whole long list of things that were a part of our old rotten, nasty flesh. Things like immorality and impurity and passions and evil desires and greed and anger and wrath and malice and slander, abusive speech and lies. That was a part of our old flesh. But in Christ, we have new longings. That's why the Bible says in Colossians chapter three, verses 10 and following, you have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So as those who've been chosen of God, holy and beloved, listen to this, put on a heart of compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, hello, whoever has a complaint against anyone. Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. What is he describing? Paul is saying, listen, the old man is gone and now in Christ, there are new longings to walk in humility and grace and gentleness and goodness and compassion, even of forgiveness. Does that mean that we're perfect? No, Does that mean that we do that perfectly all the time? No, but in Christ, there's a longing to live for Jesus and to model him in our life and not to keep going to and doing the things we used to do. What are you saying, pastor? Here's what I'm saying. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. This past week at Vacation Bible School on Wednesday night was the night where we began to share really the the full picture of the gospel of Jesus coming to save us and set us free. And there was a a young man who was there that night who has been attending the church here for for some time now. And oftentimes on Sundays after the services, he'll come up to me and he'll ask me a question. And it's usually a very deep question. In fact, uh, about a month ago or so, he came and he asked me a question. And it was a very deep question. And when he walked away, one of the the leaders here at Crosslink said, does he always ask you that kind of question? And I said, absolutely, he does. He he really is a, a great thinker. On, Sunday, on Wednesday night after vacation Bible school, the night ended and I was at the door greeting people, saying hello and you know, just having conversation, inviting them to come back. And as he began to leave, he kind of waited off in the distance and finally he got my attention and he said, Pastor Matt, I had to talk to you. I said, that's awesome, buddy, what's going on? He said, Pastor Matt, tonight, tonight in the Bible class, I heard about Jesus again. And tonight, Pastor Matt, I prayed and asked God to forgive me my sins and asked Jesus to save me. 
And he was so excited. I was like, buddy, that's so awesome. And, and, and he literally, he just started bouncing a little bit like a, like a kid on Christmas morning, excited. And he said, Pastor Matt, I just, I just, I just. And I said, what is it, buddy? He said, I just feel like a new person. Yeah, amen. You, you, know, you know what that little guy was saying without even realizing it? Pastor Matt, I'm now in Christ and I can't explain it but something inside of me feels new and different. Here's my question. Have you been made a new creation in Christ? Not only are we a new creation in Christ, here's the second new thing we have. In Christ, we have a new relationship. One of the things I love about VBS are the opportunities for relationships. Some of you kids this week at VBS, you met some new friends for the very first time and began a relationship. Some of you volunteers this week, for the very first time, you've met other people who've been in church with you, maybe even for a year or more, but you're at different services, so you didn't know each other yet, and you've built a few relationships. One of the things that I've loved about this week is that I've met many new people, and I've been able to strengthen some other relationships with people that are already new. I love the aspect of relationships that God allows through Vacation Bible School. But as wonderful as these relationships are, the greatest relationship that can be formed in that context is our relationship with God. See here in 2 Corinthians chapter five, when he says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, he begins to begin talking to us about a relationship that we can have, a relationship that we need. It's a relationship with God. Now, can we just be honest for just a moment and say, there are many people in our culture, especially in the Bible belt, who assume that they automatically have a relationship with God. There are many people that I've met at a park or at a ball game or just in the context of conversation and I'll ask them, have you believed in Jesus? And they'll respond by saying, well, yeah, I believe in God. Well, what do you mean? Well, sometimes I pray and sometimes he answers. Okay. Well, yeah, I believe in God because there have been some emergencies in my life and I've cried out to God and I just know God heard me. Okay. Well, yeah, pastor, I believe in God. Like there have been some times in my life I could just feel God so close to me. Yeah, pastor, I believe in God. I mean, I go to church. My grandmother was a saint. My grandfather was a preacher. Yeah, I believe in God. I even know that the Bible is God's word. Yeah, I believe in God. Listen, you can believe all those things and still not be in Christ. Even Satan and the demons of hell know that the Bible is the word of God. Even Satan and the demons of hell know that God is a present help to those in trouble. Even Satan and the demons of hell know that God can answer prayers and do the impossible. Here's the question. Have you believed in Jesus? Jesus said in John 14, verse six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, and no one comes to the Father but through me. It is only in Jesus that we have relationship with God. So think about a few things with me in this context of relationship. First off, consider for a moment, without Jesus, what we were. I realize today that many of us like to think, you know what, I'm a pretty good person. I try to help others in need. I'm doing all right, you know, and, and, I, and I'm from a religious background and I go to church and all these different things. But think for a moment about what we were without Christ. The Bible says loud and clear in verse 18, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Well, who needs to be reconciled? Those who are separated. Those who are distant. 
let me ask you a question. You don't have to raise your hands. How many of you have ever had a fight with somebody before? Ever, ever had a conflict? When you have conflict, what happens? There's division. There's separation. There's a distance. The Bible says that we need to be reconciled to God because there's a separation. There's a distance. Well, what caused that? The Bible says sin caused that. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians chapter two, we not only sin, but in that sin and separation, we literally, without Jesus, are enemies of God. We're completely at odds with him. Doesn't matter how many Bible verses you know, how many times you go to church, how religious your parents were. Well, apart from Christ, we're all separated from God. That's what we were, but I want you to see secondly what Jesus did. When you and I could do nothing to change our standing before God, when you and I were separated by our sin that we chose, when we were in a situation where we were hopelessly lost, God loves us so much and he cared for us that he sent his own Jesus, his own son Jesus to come to this earth, not just to live a sinless life, but to live a sinless life and to die on the cross in our place. I love this statement in verse 15. And he died for all. Everybody say the word all. That means you and me, Male, female, black, white, young, old. It does not matter. There is not a single person you will ever meet this out of heaven that Jesus did not die on the cross for their sins so that they could be forgiven and be cleansed. What we were, we were separated and enemies of God. What Jesus did is this. He did the impossible and the unthinkable. He willingly came and he gave his life on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be cleansed. He literally gave his life as a substitute and a sacrifice in our place. <laughs> Let me illustrate that. A few years ago, Heather and I were getting ready to go out on a date and we were struggling to find childcare. And we determined that our son Mac was old enough that he could watch the younger siblings for at least a little while so we could go to dinner. And he was old enough, he was responsible, mature, we felt like he would be fine. And so we made plans to go to dinner. We went to a very short dinner, we fretted the whole time and got back home as quickly as we could. But when we got back home, I noticed, much like my illustration a while ago, that the house was very quiet, like in a very odd way. So we get home and I'm moseying around and I'm looking and I don't know why, but I opened the, the pulled out drawer that holds our trash can. And when I opened it, I noticed that there was a flower vase for like for roses that had been broken and it was laying there in the trash. As I looked at this vase, I knew, <laughs> I knew, the, I knew the vase, I knew kind of the background behind it and I thought, this is not good. <laughs> so I called all the kids together in the living room and I asked a really important question that they all wanted to fess up to. I asked the question, who broke the vase? Probably in about that tone. No sooner did I ask the question, Lane, precious young Lane, her eyes start filling with tears. I'm sorry, daddy, it was an Addison. It was an Addison. She meant an accident. It was an Addison. And perhaps my face was very stern because no sooner had Lane confessed her crime that Gracie spoke up and said, Daddy, will you punish me instead? Soon as she did that, Max spoke up as the oldest and said, 
Daddy, you put me in charge. It's my fault. It's my fault it happened. I should have been doing a better job. Whatever, give the consequences to me. Manny was off in the corner laughing somewhere, but the other two. <laughs> you, you know, to be clear, nobody got in trouble in our house that night. But you know what my children were showing me in that moment? Because of their love, care, compassion, and concern for their little sister, they were willing to take the punishment. Jesus left the throne of heaven to willingly come and pay the price for your sins and mine. Romans 5, 8 says it this way, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, even still, Christ died for us. But the third thing we see in that context of relationship is this, what we must do. The forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul is not automatic. It doesn't just happen because a lot of people, oh, well, man, I, I'm a sinner and, and Jesus did this for me, so I'm gonna go to church and, and I'm gonna go to vacation Bible school and I'm gonna amen the preacher and I'm gonna help my neighbor in need and I'm gonna go on a missions trip and I'm gonna give money to the offering and I'm gonna do all these different things. But please understand, you cannot earn salvation. We're saved only by grace. It would not be grace if you could earn it. But it does demand a response. One of the reasons that Jesus says, unless you're converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven is because children hear that truth of Jesus and they understand it demands a response and they readily respond by believing in Jesus. What we must do is just that. We must hear the message of Christ and we must respond by believing in him. Ephesians chapter one says it this way. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. What you must do is believe in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, if you confess through your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here's the question. Have you believed in Jesus? Have you confessed with your mouth, Jesus is Lord? Have you put your complete trust and devotion dependence upon him and not upon your good works? Not upon the faith of your grandparents? Not in any religious creed? Have you put your faith completely in the Lord Jesus Christ? And finally, I want you to see what we are in Christ. Once you believe in Jesus, the Bible says in verse 18, just very simply, it is then that you are reconciled to God through Christ. What an amazing reality. The God who created the heavens and the earth, the God that without Christ we are completely separated from, we literally are enemies of, we are at odds with, at the very moment you believe in Jesus Christ, you accept his son as your Lord and Savior. In that very moment of faith and confession, you're forgiven of your sins. You're cleansed of all the things you've done wrong. You've set free from those things. And the Bible says you literally are adopted in Christ. You are adopted into the family of God. How amazing it is to know that the God of the heavens who created you desires relationship with you and you can be reconciled to him simply through faith in Jesus Christ. The final thing I want you to see is this. In Christ, we're a new creation. Hallelujah. In Christ, 
All these things are new, but I want you to see the final thing. In Christ, we have a brand new purpose. We're not wandering aimlessly through life. We're not just filling the time, trying to pass the days. No, no, no. In Christ, the Bible says loud and clear, we're a new creation with a new relationship and a new purpose. What is that purpose? Notice what he says in verse 18. And God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. Our new purpose is this. It does not matter your personality. It does not matter your skills. It does not matter your experiences. It does not matter your occupation. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, our new purpose is this. It is that God has given us the ministry of reconciliation and he's made us today his ambassadors in this world. The ministry of reconciliation. Remember, we've heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus. If you believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you've been reconciled to God. Isn't it amazing when you experience something that's wonderful? It's hard to keep it quiet. If you eat a good meal somewhere, you tell somebody about it. If you find a good deal somewhere, you tell somebody about it. If you have celebrations like we've had this week, you tell people about it. If you have heard the good news of Jesus and you've received it by faith and experienced the power of God to forgive you and set you free, guess what? You're gonna tell somebody about it. Why? Because we've been given a purpose. It is the ministry of reconciliation to tell men and women, boys and girls, no matter who they are, where they're from, what they've done, how they too can experience salvation and life eternal deliverance from Jesus Christ. But I love that reminder. We are his ambassadors. If you are in Christ today, I wanna remind you, everywhere you go and everything you do, you're not just representing yourself. You are ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you know this, and it's not really that big of a deal, but I thank you for many of you who pray for me in this, but maybe just illustrate it in this way. The, the Lord has allowed me for the last several years to serve on a leadership team uh, in Texas. Um, I serve on a board of trustees for a seminary there and a lot of decisions that are made by that group that really impacts uh, ministry leaders and pastors and, and that whole part, really that whole Midwest part of the country. And, and on that group, in that board, when we gather together, there's a team of about 30 people that are represented and everybody's from a different state. When I get there to those meetings, almost immediately they give me a, a notebook of our kind of schedule of what's going on and they, they give you a little snack bag with food because apparently preachers get hungry, I guess, I don't know. But then they give me a name tag. And when I go into that table, I know we all have to put on our name tags and when I grab that name tag, I know there's gonna be my name. It says Matthew Kirkland. It's a reminder to me, of course, who I am, but also the fact that I'm a representative of my family. But then in big, all caps letters below that, there's the name of our state, the state of Virginia. I'm the only one at the table from the state of Virginia. The reason why that's important is because it is a constant reminder to me that when I sit in that chair and when I ask questions or when I give input or I make a vote upon something, I'm not just speaking my opinion. 
I'm not just speaking what I want. I'm not just doing what, what I want to know. I'm very much aware and reminded I am merely a representative of all the pastors and ministry leaders and churches from the state of Virginia. I'm just a representative. God is wanting to show us that in Christ, we need to be reminded. It's not just that you live in the Shenandoah Valley. Oh, I live in Virginia this time and place. Oh, I happen to live on this street. I happen to be working beside so no, no, no. In Christ, you are his ambassador where he has divinely placed you. In your home, in your family, on your street, in your workplace, in this community, we are his ambassadors. We have a new purpose. If we are in Christ. That's the question, isn't it? The big if. Are you truly in Christ Jesus? Have you accepted him as Lord? And if you have, are you living out the purpose he's created you for? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and lives. Thank you for the amazing week of Vacation Bible School. I pray, Lord, right now that we would respond to you, that we would not have a question of uncertainty and if, but that we would know with absolute assurance that you, Jesus, are our Lord and Savior and that our life is being lived for you. I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.